Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Matt. How you doing? Hey, good. How are things? Sun's still shining in Greece? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Coming to the end of the the time out here, I had a week a week of working. Well, I say working. I was just riding my bike and taking folk out for rides at this resort. Um, but then a week of holiday with the family. It's been brilliant. So yeah, enjoying it, feeling nicely relaxed. But you know, I can never get too far away from the podcast. Obviously, there's no escape, even on holiday. No. <laughs> what about you? Whereabouts are you just now? Uh, still Paris, but not for much longer. So um, got the French Open um, tennis, and then but I'm not staying for the whole thing. So I'm going to head back home on the Eurostar on Sunday, and then that's 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 me done. And then on to the next sporting event. I can't quite think what it is. It comes thick and fast for my sports in the summertime. You've got a pretty good schedule, though, haven't you? I mean, you get to yeah. all the all the cool gigs. You don't end up at some random football match in the middle of nowhere on a wet Saturday afternoon. It's always Monaco or. Well, you, you, say these, you say these ridiculous. Or... <laughs> well, you say when you say it out loud, you're like, "Oh, what are you up to when you bump into someone?" Well, I'm off to Paris to cover the French Open. Then I'm going to take a night train to Monaco. And then I come back from that, do a bit more French Open. Uh, then I'm going to come home, do Queen's tennis, then Wimbledon tennis. So, yeah. And then you've got to come back to your wife and explain how tired you are and how much rest you need. And she tells you to uh, sling I've, your hook. I've, I've learned, I've learned a, a, lesson, <laughs> a lesson many years ago. But sometimes yeah. you just can't help it, for pulling out the tiredness complaint. Uh, but now I'm so the, tired <laughs> talking to you know Djokovic <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton, and oh, it's just. It's but my just, boys, uh, my boys are eleven and fourteen now, so it's much easier. So it's not like when we used to head off and the kids were tiny; they're actually sort of more self-sufficient. So it's not as uh, as much of a killer. So. I think it's amazing when you you know you get you're focused on your work and you you've got schedules to keep and you're just trying to sort of next the next target coming up when you can stop and reflect and look at the amazing opportunities that we get in, in our respective lines of work it's it's not really work is it? I mean you, you do you know well mine isn't anyway I mean I suppose you would you could you could argue that yours technically is work no no I, st- I still talk about what I'm going to do when I grow up um because yeah. <laughs> age 47 i haven't done that and haven't needed to in a work capacity i mean it can be serious sometimes but it's amazing sort of privilege to be out you know sitting i've never done french open before but sitting on court and watching cameron norrie play and then novak Djokovic, Carlos alcaraz Iga sviontek all these amazing amazing players and you think this is mad but yeah, yeah. getting paid to do it yeah pays the bills <laughs> so who have we got today on the show matt We've got Maisie Adam joining us today. So, um, yeah, bit of a superstar, massive, massive football fan and footballer. So as well as being a, a well-known comedian and keen sportswoman. And, and, and yeah, I think I'm not, I've not seen her play, but I hear she's a pretty capable footballer. So I think that should marry things nicely for us um, in terms of the sport comedy mix. And uh, we should probably own up to a slight technical issue that we've had um, at this stage because the audio might be slightly different for the, the kind of eagle-eyed viewers and listeners. Um, yeah, we had we recorded this, and then we had to redo the first what five minutes? Yeah, five ten minutes because sort of had some Dalek sounding issues. Yeah. Basically, it was just a shambles. Uh, we are we are a shambles, so not amazing at all. But just yeah, it just didn't didn't work. So hopefully, people won't hear the technical gremlins too much. Our, our kind <laughs> editor uh, Jamie hopes hopefully makes us sound better than we are. And and yeah, hopefully Maisie doesn't think we're a bunch of complete amateurs, but um even though we are. She's been uh, very, very patient on, yeah. on email and not minding doing it again because I know she's super, super busy, so it's really kind of her to come back on again. It was, it was indeed. And here she is. How are we Hello, doing? Are you how are you? I can Maisie. hear you. How are you? I'm very well. We're having a few technical gremlins, as you're I'm sure we're aware of. Um, I know. But, You'd think after an entire pandemic where we had to do all of this, we'd have got it down, nailed to a T. 
and we're still starting it going, can you hear me? I can see you, but can't hear you. <laughs> I can hear you loud and clear. I can't actually see both you and Matt are <laughs> frozen. Matt's frozen with a big smile on his face, which is great. You look that's a bit actually, more still, perplexed, still Maisie. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice that you freeze with a smile, Matt. And with a lovely beige curtained backdrop as well. But this is a definition of shambles, this one. Um, so to explain, we first recorded this, but had a bit of technical difficulty. So the first bit, we sounded like Daleks for 10 minutes. So we're, we're saying hello again to Maisie, who's been on her travels since we, we first attempted this. It's actually how I like to start all the podcasts that I go on. I like to sort of get in the minds of the hosts. And I actually, there's no technical problems at all. I just like sounding like a Dalek to see how you guys deal with it. <laughs> Not very well. No, you've failed the test. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> How was Australia anyway? You, you, you went over for a few weeks? Yeah, so I went to Melbourne for all of April. It's the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Um, it was great. It, do you know what I love about like this job is, is when you get to go to somewhere you've never been before and you've got to realise suddenly the little changes you have to make in your references and jokes just to sort of make sure that they still land. Like, I think... Um, what was one of the oh they don't have when you send a letter it, i mean this this really gives a real insight into the highbrow jokes that i that i give but when you send a letter obviously in this country go first class second class they don't get that so when i was on about i've got a joke about how my granny does the crossword every day and sends it off first class and they didn't know what it was and obviously then you have to explain it and it's only when i think you've got to explain it that you realize what a weird system it is i was like yes if you send it first class it gets there quicker and then somebody heckled. They were like, even your postage is classist. I was like, you're right. You are right. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? The rich it's people true. get their post quicker. Yeah. And also since then, you've had your, your Hindu. You've got your wedding coming up very soon, or have you? Yeah. I, do you know what? You'd have loved it, you two, because it was, um, I had, I've got like this lovely cottage for me and all my mates in the South Downs for a weekend. And I didn't know anything about what they'd planned. But we had gorgeous weather, and on the Saturday they did like a proper sports day, but sports day from when you're like seven years old. So it was like all of these stupid challenges of like you got to carry a potato from one side of the garden to the other, but you can't use your hands. It was insane. It was so much fun. Really stupid sports stuff. Who could eat a watermelon? An entire watermelon quickest. That was one. I was very nearly sick after that. I can't have watermelon for a good three years. I reckon now. It was so fun. And then they got these like inflatable, you know, like absorbing, but your your legs are out. So we played football, but in these big inflatable balls, which was great fun, but it was the hottest day of the year. So it was very sweaty, very quickly. <laughs> so how does that work? You're inside, you're absorbing inside the big ball. Yeah. So like your hands are in it and your yeah. torso's in it but your legs are outside. So you're essentially just barging into each other and they really do knock you over. Like I had, um, there was 19 of us at my hen do. Um, I think it was 12 girls and uh, 12 girls and seven boys. And the boys very quickly went very, very, I didn't even think I've got much like alpha male friends, but like I'm talking lads who I know from, theatre class suddenly became <laughs> Olympic alpha males and were barging these like five foot two girls out the way on a hen do. It was mad. I've, I've never seen my mates like it. They just sort of got a red mist amongst them. And also they didn't all know each other. So like my mate Jordan from school at one point just barged my friend Amelia, who's from uni, they'd never met before. She flew. She took flight. <laughs> Are they still friends now? That's the key thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she'll still have the bruise for the wedding, will uh, Amelia. Yeah. She'll she'll bring that up with him, I reckon. <laughs> That's your sporting misadventure in one nutshell. You've got sporting misadventure. It really is. What is your Hindu, which is your perfect friend. Yeah. I didn't realise when I did this, when I agreed to come on your podcast, guys, that I was going to end up with a sporting misadventure Hindu. <laughs> That's a first for us, definitely. Yeah. Were my bridesmaids talking to you on the down low? And you were going, basically, <laughs> do this. Yeah, this, we, this. we set it all up. Yeah. And when your, your, your sport is, is football, isn't it? Maisie? Oh, I just love it, Chris. I love it so much. I love talking about it, playing it, watching it. Even the heartbreak, like, 
now that we're doing this, when we when we first did this podcast, um, it was maybe with six games to go of the season. Now, of course, we've reached the end of the season and my beloved Leeds have been relegated. But I have to say, like, even the heartbreak, it's part of it, isn't it? Like, I just, I love, I love the emotion of it. I love the sort of tenacity. I love that kind of, you, you identify with your club. You feel a kind of attachment you can't really explain it's just where you're it, you know and, and often it's not even where people are from is it they've picked a club when they're kids or whatever but it it sticks with you all the way through your life and I I love that so um yeah looking forward to watching Leeds in the championship next year um but That's I love funny. it yeah I love it and you're a big you're a big Lionesses fan as well aren't you yes yes absolutely do you know this is this is embarrassing, but yesterday was the day that, um, or at the time we're recording this, yesterday, Serena Wiegmann announced the World Cup squad. But, and I just want to see what you guys think here. So you, bearing in mind, you know that that's going to happen that day. You're a big Lioness, put yourself in my shoes, you're a big Lioness fan. You know Serena's going to announce the World Cup squad that day. I woke up yesterday, eight o'clock in the morning, checked my Instagram, Lionesses, the the Instagram page, had followed me. And my first thought was, I'm getting a call off. <laughs> I was like, this isn't a coincidence. Serena's going to call me. I'm, I, I, I think my mum called me and I declined it because I was like, I'm, Serena will ring. Serena's going to ring. Were you disappointed maybe, that maybe. an announcement came out then and your name's not on the list? You scroll down and yeah, there. yeah. Well. Yeah. Loads of loads of the comments were going, oh, I think it's a shame that Nikita Paris hasn't made the squad or Maya Leticia. I was going, I think it's a shame I didn't make the squad. I had every I had every intention of uh, of getting that phone call yesterday, but I don't know. We live in hope. It's funny, Joe Wilkinson, when we chatted to him, he was talking about how he has the mentality that if if he was called up to play for England, he would do it. He said, you know, within, within a heartbeat, he said he said, you know what, I've got I've got the kind of mindset that Although I know I'm not a footballer, a professional footballer, if I got that call, I would 100% throw myself at it. I think yeah, because so. I guess I think you that... guys are gluttons for punishment, aren't you? You just throw yourselves yeah, on stage yeah. in front of a room full of strangers and uh, that's it. You could, it's That's the it. the terror You've of, of you know, why, that, like, why do you do it? Yeah, yeah. Why, why else would you go, oh, I reckon I can do it. I reckon I can do it. And that is essentially it. You, you, you back yourself to get on stage and be like, I think it'll be fine. I think it'll go well, even though the odds are stacked against you. So, of course, not saying it's exactly the same as playing in a World Cup match, but as in that mindset to go, yeah, I'll do it. I, th- I think you could ask any comedian, oh, I'm really sorry, we've had so many injuries in the squad that we need you to step up, like jury duty. You've, you've just been selected at random. <laughs> You're up. I think every comedian, regardless of experience, would go, yeah, fine, do it. And I think that with any sport, I've never played or watched cricket, but if somebody rang me and said, you're, you're, you're in the, the England team for, for the cricket, I'd be like, OK, I'll give it a go. How hard is it? Whack the ball with the bat and run a bit. I I've, I remember seeing some statistics. Uh, this is a useless anecdote without the exact numbers, but it was basically asking the general public if they thought they could get into a Formula One car and and be competitive. Like if, if you had Lewis Hamilton's car, well, you know, this was two or three years ago when Lewis was winning, um, yeah. Do you think you could you could you know place in the top five in a Grand Prix? And it was something mad, like seventy percent of. Oh, I think I think it was men who speaks volumes said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I could do that." You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like this. I don't know if it's because the, the the professionals make it look so easy in any sport, but it just yeah. I think there's a lot of people think. Yeah, I mean, you know, I might need to practice for a few weeks, but uh, yeah, I reckon I could be as good as the world's best who've done it since they were five 100%. years old. You know, definitely. I mean, look at like I'm not even like look at soccer aid. I'm I'm I like football, and they've asked if I can do it, and immediately I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I know it's half former pros and half you know celebrities that just like football. But even then, I have said yes to playing in a team with Usain Bolt as the captain <laughs> and like former professionals like Jill Scott and Roberta Carlos, Paul Scholes. And I've said yes because I play a kickabout on the park every now and then and I do all right. But I have had the bold brass to go, yeah, I reckon I'm in that squad. I reckon if Usain Bolt's up for it, I'm up for it. It's insane. I think there's something about football, though, or certain sports where if you know you could have a, a fairly average game 
and not really yeah. get involved, but just have one flash of brilliance, stick it in the back of the net, you know, have a volley that just rocket is in this is it chris this is it i'm heavily reliant on um mauricio pochettino who's our manager which is an insane thing to say out loud um (laughs) but i'm really really hoping he plays me up top of the field rather than something like defense so i can just sort of stick around there make sure i'm not offside as long as someone gives us a good ball tap it in take all the glory everyone for years to come is going she's all right that amazing i had one touch all game that's yeah, my exactly. plan that's my game hey, plan it's a solid plan sounds good to me so you're you're tuning just now aren't you at the moment is that right yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how how are you how are you fitting in your football around that does that the football have to sort of get shelved a yeah, little bit or are you I'm I'm sort of making sort of 70% of them because we play on a Monday night and with comedy shows mainly I've had Mondays off because people don't come out and see comedy on a Monday so it's worked quite well and then it's been it's been a lot of I'll tell you what it's been a lot a lot of is getting to a venue early so I can get on their wi-fi and watch the game <laughs> on my own in a green room uh there's been a lot of hot spotting on trains trying to get connected to watch a uh a game there on the way to Blooming Swindon or something. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm trying to watch them. I'm, I'm up in Leeds this weekend, actually, and we're going to the Leeds versus Brighton game uh, at Ellen Road. Ah, cool. Uh, and then I'm 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 just so excited for this summer with the Women's World Cup. Mm. It's it's mad. To the point Are they going to do I'm it? Even, yeah, like I'm either if 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 I get a gig through, if I get a gig offer, I look up the little timetable of when the games are. <laughs> yeah. I'm like. There's I'm not available. No way yeah. I'm doing some. There's no way I'm doing some, you know, Northampton chuckle bucket when <laughs> England are playing. No way. No way. How do you think so, they do? Do you think because it's hard? I mean, they're playing brilliantly, but it's hard to carry on from one major tournament success to another. I mean, you've seen it in all sports. It's hard to replicate that massively. And I think, like you know, we've we we are an incredible. We're probably in the best form that an England women's side have have, have been. Um, Serena Vigman's like spoilt for choice, but we've been the best within a European context. You know, we won the Arnold Clark Cup the other day, but that's again playing a lot of European countries, and then one or two, uh, you know, ones from further nations. But you know, with all the respect, then they're, they're not as highly ranked. So the 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 thing with the World Cup now is is going up against teams like the USA and Brazil and all of that, and that's that's just exciting. It's exciting to see us going in you know on on the the back of the euros but going up against teams that normally you'd be terrified of and now i kind of think i don't want to jinx it but it could it could it could happen they could do the double i mean it'd be amazing absolutely incredible i just hope there isn't too much expectation and pressure put on them like we we tend to do don't we in in all sports but particularly football it's just you know yeah. Basically, pile the pressure on and put the trophy in their back pocket before they even started, and it's that expectation is is going to be there instead of thinking, do you know what? It's another opportunity yeah. to showcase the sport and to to draw new um, fans in and to to show yeah. the positive side of the sport and how they perform and how they behave and everything that goes with it. It's it's a positive, and if they can win on top of that, wouldn't that be amazing? But it's it's yeah. always, it's always the way. It's the it's your fault, Matt. You and your journalists and media friends, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how like you sports people like deal with that of of you know, if you if you come in off the back of having a really successful campaign last time to then just going in because again, like Millie Bright said when I chatted to her, she was like, Oh, we just clean it's clean shit, clean slate. You don't even you don't even let yourself think about the Euros going into the World Cup. You're like, no, clean like they I thought that, that would be a thing of like mentality you know you want that you want to go mm. in going we're we're european champions we're good but they were like no no, no we go in completely <sighs> neutral i just don't know how so football like for one of my sort of coping mechanisms was to underplay what i was doing and remind myself that a it's you know it's not life and death but b yeah right you're, you're riding a bike in anti-clockwise circles you know it's pretty trivial stuff nobody really cares your family care the people close to you care most people watching on TV, the Olympics turn on. Oh, which which British athletes competing? Go on, Britain! Oh, we won! Oh, we won! Or oh, we lost! You know, go and have a cup of tea, and they move on from it. But football, you know, it's imagine being 
that's the thing. That player it's, it's taking the, a penalty. The pre- the whole world is watching, and the pressure. The whole of your, you know, it's not just about can you win it. It's are you going to be the person who, you know, misses the penalty? That's um, it. And we saw that with 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 Harry Kane at yeah. the the World Cup this year. Like he's he's put on this uh, such an enviable position, this pedestal of greatness you know because he's because he's a, a a very mature bloke as well off the field so he's seen as quite a you know role model as well and he gets put on this just impossibly high standards and then he goes to take a penalty in a game where we're really struggling he's got all the fans around it how do you how do you do that and it's a mm. penalty a lot so much of it is luck you yeah. know you I, I'm, I'm still convinced obviously there's brilliant penalty takers in football and there's ones you know when 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 you get awarded a penalty, you look to who, who who the best players are. But I still think there's so much of it that is just whack it and hope for the best, surely. You know, you can do all of these hop, skip, jumps, these <laughs> yeah. things. And a lot of there there is mind games happening. But let's be honest, you you just you just want to whack it in the back of the net. I think the hard part is that you you can practice penalties till you're blue in the face, but it's it's not the taking the penalty, it's the taking the penalty under that extreme pressure. So you can't yeah. replicate that pressure in training, so no, you, you know no. you can you can establish that that routine that you know you're the same drill each time, but you can't stop that little voice in your head or you, the the challenge is trying to stop that little voice in your head that's at the last second changes its mind and thinks oh wait a minute no go yeah. go left and that, hesi- yeah. that hesitancy or you know just not focusing on what you're trying to do and the, oh my god the look at the scale of this if I miss this you know I'm going to be remembered for missing it the whole the whole world's watching. And I, I think yeah. that's you know as as a as a fan watching, unless it's your own team, I love penalties. And you know if you, if it's your own team playing, it's it's horrendous. But I love watching. Oh, penalties. But, but the World the Cup drama. final when it went down to penalties oh, was unreal. What good telly that was. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I don't watch a massive amount of football, but that was one of the one of the best things I've seen in in recent memory. It was incredible. Amazing, wasn't it? Maisie, would you be a penalty taker for your team in Brighton, or is that not oh, really? No, God, no. If we got a penalty, I'd be, you <laughs> know, eyes you. looking at the floor. <laughs> nobody picked me. Standing quiet, trying to make myself smaller. Absolutely, absolutely not. The, see, I, the I find that fascinating because, as a stand-up comic, see, I, I've got huge admiration for for you guys and what you do. You walking out to a different audience every yeah. night. Not knowing what they're going to shout back to you. Not you have your routine. Your your sort of you have your plan, but what mm. what makes a great comic is is the way that you can adapt to that split second, that that comment, that that moment, that heckle, and turn that into the the, the high point of the gig. And it's so I yeah you know I, I don't know what what is it like walking out onto onto stage. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It should it should make it make me the ideal uh, penalty taker. But no, I think I think it's. The, the focus you've got as a comic, it feels like you're you're having to be aware of a million things at once that may be like the idea of concentrating it all into one one thing and, and just bringing it into the, that mindset. Whereas I guess when you're on stage, you're you're aware of right. There's a hen party at the back there. I've got to keep them on side. But then also there's this there's this group of uh, scaffolders here that has all sat with their arms arms crossed and they've huffed when I walked out. Uh, and then there's uh, this couple here who seem to be enjoying it. So let's try and like spread that along. And then you know, and then you're you're taking into account the room, how big the room is, uh, how uh, how many people are there. Like if they're spread out, if there's big, if there's a big room full of people or if they've seated people all sporadically laid out there's a million things you've got to take in the moment you step out on stage but make it look like you're just here to have a nice time (laughs) you know everything I say is just rolling off my tongue but your mind is going like you know that sort of uh thing about a swan or or ducks or whatever where it's like all calm (laughs) on the surface but everything underneath is is just are you, are you consciously thinking that though? When you walk out and you see all these things, is that something that just your peripheral vision picks it up? Your brain's kind of taking that on, or are you thinking, right, okay, you know, this group of people, I'm going to have to focus more on this, or I'm going to have to keep them in check? Do you have to consciously do that, or is that is that something you just have the knack of that you can do automatically? Uh, to be honest, Chris, like this is my first proper tour, and and doing it every night and going out, like you get so much better at it, and you start to. You start to tune your mind and your ears into what you should be looking out for, what sort of stuff, what sort of stuff you can ignore and will feel massive to you, but the audience probably haven't even noticed it, so don't worry about it. Like 
I always think as well, you can tell within the first five seconds how a crowd are. You oh, can wow. just tell. There's a, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll bring myself to the side of the stage and the lights will go down. And, you, and if they start going, ooh, and, and they're already <laughs> whooping, you're like, brilliant, we're going to have a lovely time. If they just go silent and well-behaved, you're like, right, okay, you need you need shaking up and all of this. I, like Even again, last week at the Leeds gig, I came out and they were whooping, but there was like two girls who were really whooping in a way that was like, that's that's the rosé whooping. That's not excitement <laughs> to watch a comedian that you've been excited to see. That is the rosé whooping. And so I knew that they were going to be uh, some two that I was either going to have to be strict with or like work to get on side and you know I'd, I'd chatted to them for a bit because they were really like attracting attention to themselves so I was like right I can't you can't not you can't ignore them so you got to chat to them for a bit then get them on side make them think that you know you're like their friends and then when you tell them that you need to kind of rein it in girls a little bit you know let's let's stop chatting because they would like they were like whispering after every joke being like oh that's so funny you do that and Lindsay does it when she's on there like but like thinking that they're whispering and they're just saying it really loudly so oh, you like no. you have to sort of like have a word of it. and then it just got to a point where they were so pissed I had to like get get them out but again I was okay. like hey listen girls would you just like mind going upstairs for a quick bit of fresh air a bit of uh, maybe have a water and then come back down. And then the moment they were out, I was like to the guy on the door, I was like, don't let them back in. Everybody <laughs> cheered. I was just like, Thank but I could tell that if I'd have gone on the aggressive, I'd have done, if I'd have been like, girl, shut the hell up, get out. They would have kicked right off. They were mm. ready for a uh, a showdown. A hundred percent. Do you love or loathe being heckled or is it a bit of both? Or Because it can make some, some shows, can't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it honestly doesn't happen like as much as people think it does. Like so many people will be like, oh, what's the worst heckle you've got? And you're like, I've been doing stand-up comedy for six years. I've maybe been heckled three times. Like it's so, it's so rare. Because often as well, what it is, is just like a bloke going, like, shouting, what? <laughs> like, and then they can't, they can't speak again. Um, or there's loads of times somebody will heckle and you go, what was that? And they bottle it and they can't come back. So it really isn't very yeah. regular, but... When it does happen, um, basically, I don't want to sound like that person that's going, it's always blokes, but it's it's always <laughs> blokes. And it's always blokes in a sort of stag group. And they'll shout something like, you know, it's Jonesy's birthday. Make fun of him. And you go, brilliant. Right. You know. But that's like, exactly right. Do you know, I, yeah. I went to, I was in Edinburgh, uh, the festival one year, and one of, it was a group of friends, but sort of not all friends I knew that well, sort of friends of friends as well. And there's this one guy in the group who we, he was determined to get in early to get to the front to sit in the front row, yeah. and I was like, "Hang on, why? Why is he? Why is he doing this?" And it was exactly that he, he wanted to get to yeah. then go to heckle to say, "Hey, pick on him," but by doing yeah. that, obviously, the, the comment was like, "Well, no, I'm going to pick on you. Or <laughs> you're, the one, you're the one that's interrupted. You know, I'm yeah. going to take you down, pal." And uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's so like, funny when when people come to a comedy show thinking thinking A, they'll win, or B, like, they'll be the one in control. Like, we're not jesters for the king. We don't, like, you know, entertain where you tell us to. Like, we'll do whatever's best for the room. And if that means ripping you a new one, we will. But also if it means completely ignoring you so that you look like a sort of wounded dog, great. Like, it's it's so laughable when people kind of come to a show thinking, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll control the narrative here. Yeah, imagine having that as your 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 mission on a night out, trying to derail yeah. the whole thing. Bizarre. It's mad, isn't it? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So how did you get into comedy in the, in the first instance? I mean, was it something you always wanted to do or was it something you... Because you're, you're a writer as well, aren't you? And, and you have yeah, other strings like, to your bow. I, I was kind of always, you know, at, at school, the subjects I loved were the ones where, like, drama or English, where there was, like, creativity, like, PE as well, where you could kind of physically thrive, like, kind of... Uh, basically, the, 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 the lessons I was not good at was, was ones where you sat at a desk working out sums or working out science, things like that. You're like, I can't... I can't sit down and 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 being sort of contained like that. I wanted to be up, you know, performing a play or or running a race, something like that. So I, I was always like wanting to go into something creative, um, but you know, again, like at, at school, that's often like I went to like a school that was like not good at sort of nurturing creative thing, but the the sort of end goal would be maybe you'd go and study English at uni and that's as creative as it got. The idea of like becoming an actor, let alone a comedian, was quite, they didn't really have any sort of advice on how to pursue that. But I had a, I had a really good drama teacher who told me like quite abruptly, but I'm really grateful. She said like, don't apply for a drama degree at university. You need to go to like a drama college where it's like more of the physical training and stuff. Because she was like, if you go and do a drama degree at uni, you'll be writing essays and you're not good at writing essays. <laughs> and I was really grateful that she kind of just told me that. So I auditioned for loads of drama colleges, uh, didn't get in the first time, so stayed at home, like worked in a shop for the whole year. And I, can, I kind of think like just out of sheer boredom of like all your mates moving away from the town you grew up in and you're just working in this shop, like you you kind of crave a creative outlet so I was going to loads of shows and I was going and like watching new writing and and curious as to how people managed to get that show you know the on that state like what how did you apply for a festival and get a show on like that sort of thing um and then I got into a drama college went for three years like fine but again at the end like I graduated didn't have an agent and the 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 auditions I could get, I was going to play like an extra in a McDonald's advert where your 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 role is to be reading a magazine on the bus. And you're like, that's not that's not what you want when you're going into it. And I get that like you've got to take all of those jobs, but I suppose I just really again had that creative craving. I just wanted to do something that I thought was good and I maybe you know, like I'd written or I could perform. But I'm not a playwright. Uh I wouldn't even know where to start with that. And I'd always liked comedy. And when I was in plays at school, I was always cast as the funny roles and always told I sort of had good comedy timing. And so I think, again, just out of sheer boredom, I'd moved back with my mum and dad and, again, was working in that same shop and um, other odd jobs was, you know, working in like a burger van at some point, an ice cream van, uh in pints in the local it was like any any job really but I, none of them were ones I wanted and uh I think just a craving for some sort of creative output uh I thought about stand-up comedy but there was no open mics where I lived nothing you could go and see comedy but there was no way to give it a go and then there was a book festival in a town called Ilkley just further up and uh they put out this like call out for new artists of you know, local artists you know you can come and play your guitar on the opening night or you can do a bit of spoken word or you could do a dance if you're if you're into that uh and I applied and was like stand-up comedy and they just went yep here's your slot and I did my first gig at a book festival giving wow. it a go I loved it and then never wanted to do sort of anything else really where do you start yeah. with writing though I mean where, where do you come up with is it just observations, so ideas? Then, yeah, back then I would literally, I used to have this, um, I used to like 
print till roll when I was working at the shop and like scribble little ideas and then fold them up, put them in this tin, never did anything with them. And then when I finally bit in the bullet and was like, oh, I'm going to do this stand up thing, I just literally emptied this tin and was fold- unfolding all these pieces of paper of these ideas. And some of them I'd open and be like, what the f- are you thinking? <laughs> and then others I'd be like, oh, there might, there might be something on that. Like, I can't, I can't even remember what stuff that was from that first set, but just little like observations and, uh, was it or funny from anecdotes from working in the shop? Did you, was it a lot of that sort of stuff you were feeding off that or experience? Yeah, yeah. There was definitely a lot of material from there. Like we had, we had quite funny customers, uh, and then also just like stuff that's like my family's always been quite a good comedy mind. Like there's quite big characters in there, and I, I liked growing up as well watching you know comedians like Peter Kay who or Lee Evans, where you didn't know Lee Evans' wife, you didn't know Peter Kay's mum, but they painted such a almost caricatured image of that person that you immediately felt you knew them. And so sort of trying to do that with my own people in my life or own experiences. Um, and then I kind of, again, like being from this sort of small village in Yorkshire, there was no no open mics. You could go over to Manchester, but it was like two and a half hours and you'd get like five minutes stage time. So instead what I used to do is like work Monday to Friday in the shop or in the pub or whatever like uh, jobs I was doing at the time. And then I would go down on the Megabus on a Friday night after work and stay in a hostel in Camden for £12 a night in like a 12-dorm bed, uh, 12-bed dorm. And uh, I'd pick up like, six gigs over the weekend and just run around London doing these like really bad open mics but you'd 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 feel yourself getting better you know you'd die on your ass on one and then take two tubes and go and do another and storm it and it was like and 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 then you'd leave the city and come back up north for Monday so it was like oh that was that was that weekend it was a it was a different thing And, and I just started doing that and then somebody at one of these nights said you should do a comedy competition. They're a good way of getting progression. And I entered Say so You Think You're Funny, thinking, see how we get on. Fucking, like, I looked it up, Chris, and it was like a, like, you'll know it, Matt, but like for Rupert, I'm sure. But it's a, it's a, it's a comedy competition that when I Googled it, it like the list of uh, winners and finalists was just like the who's who of my wow. comedy heroes, really. Yeah. And I just entered it thinking, well, if I can get to a quarterfinal, that might be cool to like you know say and then I got through to the semi-final and then I was in the final and won it got signed off the back of it and that just sort of changed everything from there so quite a sort of probably a an unorthodox routine I guess but you kind of didn't have any other choice to do I guess maybe because geographically there was no other option but to head to London and do what you did that's I I don't think I'd have the courage to yeah I was was having a chat with um a guy who runs a, a comedy club in Blackpool because I, I had my tour show there the other day and he was like, I can't believe you've not been here before. And I was like, there's loads of places in the Northwest that I've not gigged it because I didn't come up through the Northwest circuit. A lot of people think the Northerners come up through the Northwest circuit because Manchester's got, you know, it's gigs. And then you either come up basically in the Northwest or the Northeast circuit up in Newcastle or London um, and being a northerner, I think people are always like, they'll go like, oh, you know this gig in Chorley or you know this gig in Preston? And I'm like, no, I've never, never done it. I've done pretty much every gig in London because it was a better use of my time. I could gig, as I say, four or five times in a night and just run from one gig to the other. And what was it like when you you first got invited onto the panel shows and, and you kind of burst through onto the scene and you're sitting there? Yeah looking to your left, looking to your right, seeing all your, your comedy heroes next to you. What, that's how, mad. how does that feel? That's, yeah, that's, that is, that is mad. Like I used to, I used to come home. I was a bit of like comedy nerd as a, as a kid. I used to come home and go on the like family computer in the living room and watch Mock the Week on YouTube, just old episodes of Mock the Week. Cause I just used to find it so funny that bit at the end with the one liners. And then I remember like going on it for the first time in 2018 and like it, it just blowing my mind that I was in one of those seats and like, you know, you've got Dara Brian going, Maisie, what category would you like? (laughs) Like it just feels so alien. Yeah. And you're like, I feel like I'm watching myself on the telly, like in that moment, it's really weird. And, And I have to say like, 
I've been really like pleasantly surprised by how friendly a lot of people in TV are. It's more it's more nerve wracking on the open mic circuit because everybody's elbows out wanting to, you know, get the progression. Whereas there's a bit of like if you're on if you're on TV, you're not going to get booed off from your seat where you are. Like you'll you'll do either great or all right or not well at all. But it's not like um, somebody's going to heckle you from the back of the pub. So it's <laughs> yeah. it's quite civilised and nice. And all of these people, like, the first panel show I got was 8 out of 10 cats. And I was on with Sarah Pascoe, who I went to go and see when I was at uni. And then here she was next to me, and she could tell I was, like, really nervous. And she took my notes out onto the uh, thing for me because, like, I was so nervous about having to wave and carry my papers at the same time. She was like, I'll take them. Don't. Oh. I, like, I didn't even have to say it. She could just tell that her doing that would, like, make it instantly easier for me. And she was just, yeah, very, like, supportive. And I feel like I've had a lot of good examples set to me of how to how to conduct yourself when somebody is coming up new through the ranks. And... It's something that I've always tried to like remember. And now if I'm on a show and somebody's having their TV debut, like I try and think like what Sarah was like for me and Dara and like little things you can do to basically make sure people people feel welcome. Oh, that's lovely. I just wanted um, to ask when oh sorry, can I butt in? I was gonna ask yeah, what's um at what point did you bring football into your comedy? Was that just because you mentioned is that just on this tour, or had you, or just telling anecdotes about it, or had you done that previously? Um, I think I think I've only uh, with this tour. I think it's with this tour. I think I've never, I, I, I've not brought it into my comedy before. I've 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 done like League of Their Own and stuff like that, and you know people know that I was a comedy fan. Been on co- you know comedians who've got football podcasts or footballers uh, or, or football uh, podcasts who know I'm a football fan. I'll tweet about it, you know, and do like fancy football. But I've I've never up until this tour talked about it on stage um and it's <laughs> this is such a self-absorbed thing to say but it's it's sort of come out in a very nice timing frame of talking about the progression of the women's game at this time where it's on this incredible trajectory and and, and moving in in an, in an incredible direction at a really good encouraging pace you used some punditry stuff around the football as well didn't you during did I see you? But you sort of appeared on Sky, and then you've done some. Oh yeah, they had this like double decker bus that went round the country, sort of in anticipation of the games. And again, yeah. just yeah, it was it was nice because we talk a mixture of like you know ta- tactics of the game and what's Weedman going to do tonight with uh, who's she going to put up front, but also talking about you can we, you could really feel this building wave of uh, Euros fever you know taking taking the nation it was it was it was really encouraging because you feel like you'd, you'd just be walking around like brighton on match day and there'd be people in an england shirt and you're like oh, that's that they're doing it because they're you know because of the game tonight it, it, you could feel the 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 momentum building so in terms of i mean obviously football is your your sporting passion but are there other sports that you've either tried or you you kind of fancy having a go of potentially hmm i mean i love i love football the other ones I love playing, I love a bit of table tennis. I love a bit of table tennis. Really? And I'm absolutely that person that if there's a table tennis, if like <laughs> table there, I'm I'm immediately challenging everybody in the room to get like there's that episode of Friends, isn't there, where Monica's exceptionally <laughs> like uh competitive and won't quit. That's me. If I'm on a holiday and there's a table tennis thing in 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 the in the hotel. That's where I am for the whole holiday. I Spinning the it. bat in your hand, warming up, getting yeah, ready yeah, to yeah. go. Do you know what? Yeah, I, like I Forrest like... Gump just playing it against the wall. Ta- yeah. Table tennis is astounding to watch. Like you know, when your Olympics are on, or the you oh know, you're, my you're, god, you're They're flicking so through channels, quick. and oh, it's like it's almost too quick to keep up with what's going on. And the skill yeah. they have, and the, yeah, the speed is just like nothing else I've seen. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I love it. I really, really love it. Um, I like I like that. There used to be a game that we played at school, and I cannot work out why it's not on the telly like every week because it was so fun. Do you ever play bench ball in PE? Bench ball, yeah, with a bench on its side. It's like basically you, yeah, you roll, yeah, you, a bench at the back, yeah. and then you've got to like so you'd be 
almost like a tennis court and where the baseline is you'd have a bench mm-hmm. and if you if you sort of like hit it's basically like dodgeball in it and then they go and like stand on the bench if you get hit and if you if you can then but you can bring them back to your team by you throwing hit, them a ball they catch it yeah actually yeah, we, it, yeah. I, I mean you know it's been a, it's been a few years since i was at school um but uh, <laughs> oh, it, was it was black so and white fun, in those though. days um but yeah it's um <laughs> I don't I know if it's like games. a proper sport because it was always the sport that was played like on the last day of term. It was sort of the equivalent of like in French when they'd go, we'll just watch Harry Potter with subtitles. <laughs> yeah. like, I'll tell you a great game. I don't know I don't know if it's got different names in different parts of the world, but in, in up in Scotland, they call it Kirby, where you just you throw the ball, oh, you've got to catch it on Kirby. the corner of the curb and, and catch it. If you catch it, yeah, and it's, it's basically, yeah, you can play it with one, just the two of you in a little quiet road, a narrow road. And yeah, I where I grew fun. up was perfect for Kirby. Kirby. Perfect yeah. for Kirby. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, just right, right up until like it had gone dark and you couldn't even see anymore. We exactly. I mean, yeah. skateboarding and breakdancing are in the Olympics now, so I, I reckon they should be pushing for Kirby as well. You Get know, Kirby. Not? Yeah. Get it Definitely. In there. Definitely. Are there, are there sports it... you hate though? Are they? I mean, you you love your table tennis. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Track netball, cycling. And I feel I feel like <laughs> such a terrible. Uh, feminist for saying this because netball is you know an incredibly uh leading sport in terms of women's sport but netball i cannot get on. i used to hate it at school I, I hate the restrictiveness that's what i can't get on board i think why i like you know football is you've got your position but if the game requires it you can do a run you can take it up there like i used to get just Every time I played netball, the whistle would be blowing and I'd be inevitably stood on one wrong side of a line or not going into the D or going into the D. I don't know what you meant. <laughs> I, I couldn't stand it. And then you'd try and take your shot and there's no backboard like there is in basketball. It's like somebody's <laughs> made basketball worse. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it is unfair that only two people can score in netball. Yeah. Like, surely that's the fun yeah. part. You know, if you, if you can't, basically all you're doing is passing the ball to someone else who gets all the glory. Yeah. That's not yeah. much fun. And, and again, like, if you're tackling someone in football, you're actually trying to get the ball. Like, you're trying to get the ball from out of their feet and into yours. In netball, they just stand with their hands in your face. And you're like, <laughs> if you want the ball that bad, just take it out. Like, but don't just stand there sort of looming over me. It's so weird as a sport. I, I can't I can't get on board with it. I, I, you know, if you enjoy it, great. And, and the, obviously... Uh, it's also another women's sport that's getting more and more traction. Good luck to it, but it's not for me. Not for me. For our netball listeners, of which there are many, I'm sure. Um, there is one, Do we have many listeners at all, Matt? That's the question. Just in defence of netball, I went to the Commonwealth Games in Australia back in 2018, I guess. And I went to that one where England played Australia. It was on the final final. Yeah, on the whistle. Now that was unbelievable because that was just pure crazy drama. Australia were never going to yeah. lose at home, guaranteed win, and sure enough, the, the 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 England team beat them, and that was absolutely bonkers. And that's when the sport took off. I mean, mm. I don't know enough about the sport, but just watching that and the drama and the theatre, all that, all that, I, I got really into it and interviewed a few of the players since then, and they were all quite fascinating characters. I think there's like, like some high flying lawyer, there's a, a doctor, you know, different sort of parts of them. So I've got quite interested in that part. But. Never, never played the game. Yeah, it's a great. I have mean, you seen you seen Kath and Kim? You heard of the Australian comedy show? Yeah, yeah. It, you ever see the episode about netball in that? It was, no. Oh, it's it, you, yeah. It's probably about twenty years since I've seen it, but it sticks in the mind. It's worth it's worth looking out on oh, YouTube. Okay. Are they that... about it, or are they? What is it? Sorry. What's the take on it? What do they say? Um, well, it's uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the names of the characters, but um, uh, Kim's daughter. No, sorry, Kim. Her her boyfriend is it Brett Breddy, he uh, he plays for the team and uh, turns out to be an absolute star and uh, oh it's it's just yeah I'm, I'm not right doing it. that's what I'm watching on the way to the Kath and Kim netball episode honestly you'll you'll thank me for it it's great <laughs> might bring me round to netball maybe yeah yes if there are sports that if, if you couldn't if that doesn't exist that you would manufacture I mean I thought I'd, I'd never heard of bench ball so I just totally thought you were making that up on the spot so. Oh no, no. But I think I think if I if I could invent one, right, I'd do 
and again, a, a bit like Kirby, this probably got different names everywhere, but like the best way I can describe it is sort of like rotational tennis. You used to do it in like tennis practice, but like, you know, where you, you hit it once and then you've got to run around somebody else. So you'd have like 10 people playing and you can like all just run around. Um, I think we should have that, but I think we should have it like uh, jury duty. So you just get called up to do it and you can't not. So you might have somebody really good. You might have people who've never picked up a racket before and you've got to do it. And like you you can't back out. But if you get called up for your rotational tennis tournament and it, like, have it like Wimbledon, you know what I mean? Like every year, <laughs> 10 people from the UK are selected and we watch it. And it's amazing because you'll have like some old granny doing it. And then you might have like, I don't know, some athletic uh, beast doing it. And then you might have... Uh, like, I just think it would be amazing if you've just got, like, such a varied group giving it a go and it's just sort of last one last one standing. That's a great idea. You, games, this they idea, well, isn't they it? should do that for the Olympics. They should just have a random draw of people from each country to represent the country as a whole. And they're the ones yes. that every four years goes to go to represent our country. And it's, That's you know, a, better, a better, like, more realistic representation yeah. of the country, actually yeah. getting just... Uh, and regular watch it. people you'd called watch it, up to you? give to give the pole vault a go. <laughs> yeah, actually, second thoughts that could be quite dangerous. Yeah, what would you call it? Does it? Is it called rotational tennis? It needs a better name, I think. Yeah, I don't think rotational tennis um, would work. Maybe racket around, round racket. Oh, love racket it. Around. Racket love around. It. Ooh, that could, that yeah, could. yeah, yeah. Get that. Get that patented now. Get it copyrighted. Maybe you that's never what, know. this podcast is going to create a bunch of weird sports. We could have our own Olympics. Yes, mm. get them go. Oh my god, yeah, you can invent your own Olympics. You've got rack. You can have the uh, what we call it round round R- racket. Racket, racket around. around. Racket yeah. around. Racket around. Racket around. You'd have to be one of the ten. You'd have to come on as one of the ten contractually obliged. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Defo. Oh, I'm fixing it, so I'm in the ten. Defo. I'm rigging it. <laughs> Quite right too. Have you got any? sort of sporting prowess moments obviously you play football have there been like some stand-up moments of brilliance or similarly some absolute downright awful moments or i mean scoring a top bins on soccer am i will never stop talking about i it, it was one of the best days of my life but when i think about like misadventures this has stuck with me for so long and i still think about it now when when i was in i think like year nine or year ten i was playing rounders uh, in PE, and I I got really good connection with it, and whacked the ball. I was batting, whacked the ball, and it went into a tree, like where all the leaves were sort of in bloom, and we, it just went in there. And then we thought it was the ball that dropped out of the tree. It was a pigeon, and I hit <laughs> the pigeon. Oh no! Yeah, a pigeon well, fell out. Did, the tree did you kill it? it with the ball. Did it, it fly was away? sort of um, like maimed. Yeah, it was really quite stressful, for, distressful. Did you have to go finish it off and put out its misery? Oh, it was for... horrible. It was like the PE teacher like got it in its hands and sort of moved it away, oh, but oh. it was it was bleak. I, I think it probably died a very slow death. Oh, um, but what a way to go! What a way to go! Being hit by a ball. <laughs> oh dear! Year nine rounders. Did you say what age you were? I can't remember what, how young were you? So. Yeah, like year nine. So I'd have been like fourteen, something like that. That's quite harrowing. Yeah, and I proper thwacked it as well. It would have, it would have hit it hard. But did that mean you got a full rounder then? Because you were oh yeah, I kept running. Bu- I kept oh, running. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. kept running. And then I, and then I saw that everybody had like run and like gathered round something. I was like, "What well, they gathered round the ball going, for?" Keep going. Keep going. Back. And it was, uh, it was, it was a sort of twitching, twitching pigeon. <laughs> you get nicknamed the pigeon killer or the pigeon maimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pigeon maimer. Maisie the maimer. That was Maisie it. Maisie the maimer. There's your wrestling yeah. name, sorry. You about your yeah. top bins at Soccer AM, though. Was it, was it a sweet strike? Did you just absolutely... Oh, it, was, it was amazing. Top right corner, but you'd think I was going top left for my body stance. It was great. I loved it. I've not stopped talking about it. It's in my show. It's in my uh, every WhatsApp group that I'm in. <laughs> it still gets brought up. See, I told you, you're a good, good penalty taker as you're, you're a stand-up yeah. comic. Yeah, there maybe actually. Maybe need go. to back myself more. I've got a stand-up comedy and I've got a, a top bins to my name. So mm. I should I should be I should be appointing myself every time. Do you think you'd ever re- replicate that strike or was it just the sweetest of of hits? It's in I'd love to say it's uh it was it was years in the making with all the practice, but I think it might have just been potluck. Really? <laughs> you heard my strategy cool. earlier talking about just whack it, just whack it. Yeah. One in ten know. will go we'll in, see. all right. 
Did you have yeah, exactly exactly in terms of like kind of sporting idols? Was it Leeds footballers then? Was that the the thing you looked up to or or, or different? Yeah, I think like I yeah I, I loved I loved players like Mark Viduka and uh, like Alan Smith, Harry Kuehl. Uh There was a lot of I was about to say David Beckham then, but David Beckham when he was in Real Madrid, obviously not David Beckham when he was at Manchester United. <laughs> um, but I, I liked I liked watching football all the time when I was a kid and it was just the men's games that you'd see um but I, I really liked do you know I watched a lot of tennis as a kid because that that that's a sport that sort of would champion the women just as much as the the bloke so I used to really like sort of growing up and watching the Williams sisters um and their sort of tenacious approach to the game was was quite like just that that unapologetic tenacity was was quite enthralling I guess to watch like they put on a show, do you know what I mean? They were those sports people that you wanted to watch just as much for the the personalities as as much as the the game itself. Yeah, they transcended the sport, didn't they? Well, they still do. Yeah, yeah. You the film about the the dad, Richard, I think it's called. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did watch really it. Great, yeah. yeah, yeah, really good, really good. What? What? I've not seen that. What is the the it's, kind of take um, on it all? What's the? It's Will Smith playing their dad. It's Will Smith the, playing Richard Williams, and and basically like. He just put everything into Venus and Serena being these child prodigies that they, that he knew them to be, but like with the um with the area that they were from, like the facilities weren't that like again, like just the the hoops he jumped through in terms of facilitating their talent, like mm-hmm. and just refusing to take Noah's answers and but also like he's quite overbearing. Um it's 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 sort of a it's a really good film because it makes him look both brilliant and overbearing mm. and uh, counterproductive sometimes because he is so stubborn that he knows what's best for the girls and the game and the way that you coach and train and the facilities that they, uh, the you know, the the academies that they're in and stuff, they've all got their way of nurturing talent. And it's, it's quite interesting, isn't it, Matt? Like his, the way he wrestles with that of like, he wants to let them go and learn in the best facilities amazing like possible but like he also still wants to be the coach mm. yeah, it's an amazing sort of control isn't it from him but then there's some like really cool moments like with the sort of gangs on the courts i can't remember how he, yeah. he sort of got into a fight with one of them or what whacked and then somehow got the respect of them and so he and the girls were protected going out to compton playing on these courts in one of the roughest neighborhoods in in la or whatever and th- that was amazing just to see you know serena's gone on to be perhaps the greatest tennis player of all time or you know male or female or certainly in that conversation and it's just incredible that they start in that in this situation compared to the affluence of some yeah. other tennis kids going through I, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant film um but it also leaves a lot of questions about that sort of pushy parent and control and, and a lot of which yeah. is, is relevant today yeah, it's tough as a parent because you want to give your kids the best opportunities but you you don't want to push them too hard and you want to keep it fun and you know, it's if you push too hard, as soon as they get to an age where they can make their own decisions, then it's you know they're going to quit. Yeah. But equally, and and again for other parents, they're looking at the Williams and sisters, and they're looking at you know Lewis Hamilton and other famous um, successful athletes who started when they were really young, and you get panicky thinking, oh, you know, my little child's yeah. not, you know, you've got to give them a chance yeah. and get them started soon, and. You know, and and you you don't really, you know, you, there's as many case studies to show that you don't have to take up a sport when you're three years old to be successful as, yeah. as you take it up in your twenties, if in some cases. But um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating to see. So while you're watching Kath and Kim, I'll be watching that then. Yes, my, yes, my absolutely. Can I just ask before we wrap up, what when the soccer aid is? When are you playing? Oh yeah, sorry. So at the time of when we're recording this, soccer aid's not so long. It's um uh again, speaking of the bold brass of yeah, I can do it, it's the day after my wedding. Um, so it's yeah, I am getting married on, on Saturday next weekend on the tenth of June, and I'm doing soccer aid on the Sunday. So um wow. quite ironic, I think, as a as a Leeds fan to be honeymooning at Old Trafford. Um <laughs> but there we are. There we are. Well, we'll leave you to it. You've taken up an hour of your time, so thank you very much. Are you, oh, thanks, are you, guys. This was really good fun. Tonight, 
are you are you performing tonight? I'm in Hastings tonight. Uh I've got a, a another Zoom at one forty five and then and a couple of meetings and then the tour shows in Hastings. But it's great because I can actually come home to my own bed after this tour show. I'm not I'm not in another premier inn. So <laughs> it's a luxury tonight. Hastings is where I trained to become a journalist. Is it? Office building that almost looks like a like a big ferry or you know one of those luxury cruises. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it. Yeah, yeah. Part of that. I don't know why Hastings. It was bizarre. Uh, is there a plaque there for you, Matt? Matt, saying if there isn't, I'll go and put one up. I'll yeah. go and put one up tonight. Nice for you. Back up on Excellent. that thing after your show Excellent. tonight. That'd be perfect. Listen, thank you so much, Maisie. That's been I really enjoyed the chat and really appreciate your time. So good luck oh, tonight. Not at all. Thank you, mate. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hope to see you in the Cheers, real world Matt. sometime soon. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, thanks so much for having me on. Brilliant. And keep up the table tennis as well. Yes, I will. I will. See you later. Take care. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.